Hey, we're Jeff and Jackie Lynch. We're part of the ministry team here at Compassion Church in beautiful Danville, Virginia. We are so glad that you have found us. Here's this week's message. We'll be reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. And I think, if we're lucky, it might show up on the screen. Look at that. Boy, that's favor right there. I'll tell you what. Won't he do it? It says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. All alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Lord Jesus, as we read these words this morning that you have placed on our laps, placed on the screen in front of us. Today, Father, as we continue in a time of worship, we are simply reminded of who you are. And God, in your greatness and in your perfection, Father, you have chosen to give us these words that have been preserved 3,000 years now. Because we need to see this. We need to hear this today. And Lord, as we read these words, let us be reminded that you have a plan for us. You have a plan for our lives. And God, we're not left in this world to figure it out all on our own. We don't have to go through decades of wandering to figure out what you would have for us to do. God, we can go to your word, and in your word, you will show us the way. And Lord, as we gather this morning as your church, Lord, we're reminded that there are a lot of folks who can't be with us here today. God, we come to you this morning singing songs about move the immovable, do the impossible, God, because we know that you can, and we believe in you, God. And Lord, this morning, in, in this season of life that we're in, in 2021, we look around and we see our city, our region, our nation, our world in such turmoil. God, what do we do in times like these? God, all we know to do is to come to you. And so right now, Father, your church is saying, Lord, we believe in you. We trust in you. But God, when we look at our friends, when we look at our neighbors, we see people who are hurting. We see people who are sick. So right now, Lord, as your people, we're going to take just a moment and we're going to cry out to you to help those who are hurting. I'm going to ask you, church, to just stay in a moment of prayer right now. We're going to take just a moment where I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to ask you, as you think about the people that you know, you know people who are sick. We all know people in recent days who are either dealing with illness or in the hospital, on ventilators. We know people who have died recently. And we are a hurting and broken people. And in this moment, I'm asking you, just take a moment between you and Jesus, inside your heart, in your mind. Just call out names to God right now. You don't have to do it out loud. But go to the throne on behalf of those who are hurting. Maybe it's not a physical illness. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's broken hearts. 
You know the people in your life who are hurting. God's saying to you, bring them to me right now. So, Lord, in just these few brief moments, we're bringing names before you, and we're asking you, God, first of all, Lord, work in the lives of these who are in desperate situations. You know the names of those who need a healing touch. If you don't show up today, God, there are some folks that we know who are headed for disaster. Lord, we pray that you will show up and do what only you can do in those moments. Lord, for others who are, are dealing with, with sickness and just aren't well, we pray for healing. And Lord, we pray for uh, this moment. that as we're together, God, focus our thoughts on what you would say to us. We are excited about what you want to do this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Turn around and just look at somebody and tell them, thank you for coming to church. You sure look good today. <laughs> All right, y'all can have a seat. Have a seat, have a seat. Thank you for praying with me this morning. You know, um, we can do a lot of things when we get together in church, but, but man, we need to be praying for each other. Anybody want to say amen to that? Yeah, y'all know some people who are hurting and sick and, and in need of prayer. Well, you don't have to wait till Sunday morning to do that. You can find a moment and get quiet and get alone and, and take it all to Jesus. He wants to hear from you anyway. Some of y'all he ain't heard from in a minute, so you need to check back in sometime soon. Um, we're in the middle of a series of messages right now, and it's called Check Your Circle. Check Your Circle. And I don't know what your circle looks like, but, but, but there are a lot of us who, who, who man, we, we've been hurt and, and we don't trust people and we, we, we pull back and we don't want to have a circle. We just want to, if I can just take care of me, then that's enough for me. And you can certainly do that, but the amount of, 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 of life that God wants to bring out of you is, is certainly minimized when you close things down to just me, myself, and I. Check your circle. Look around at the people who are close to you. Look around at the people that you do life with. And in this series of messages called Check Your Circle, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage everyone that's part of this church to not settle for what you've always settled for. And what you've always settled for may be this thing of, well, I'll go to church, Sunday morning's my time, we'll go, we'll take the family, but the rest of the week I'm going to do what I do. Well, that's not the way God set up his church. Now, I'm not talking to you about how society does things. I'm talking to you about how followers of Jesus do things. Anybody out there? Y'all there? Anybody going to talk to me this morning? All right. Just making sure y'all are here. The way Jesus set up his church is for people to interact with people. There are things that, that I cannot do that you can do, and I need you. And this thing of being needed and known, God has wired it into each of us, this desire to be needed and to be known. And so that's the title of my message today. God has wired it into each of us, a desire to be needed and to be known. So last week, I give a big shout out to Jackie Lynch, who once again did a fantastic job of bringing a word and, and bringing a great message to us, even if she did tell y'all I got called a hillbilly last week. It's all good, whatever. I don't care about that. Don't bother me at all. Um, 
But last week, and a couple of weeks before that, when, when I've gotten the opportunity to go on some of these trips, um, I've had several people to me over the last couple of weeks say, Jeff, you just look like you just come alive when you're going on these disaster relief missions. Can I tell you something? That is absolutely the truth. It is absolutely true. Why? Because it's wired into me to be needed. It's wired into me to be known. And the same is true for you. And so when I show up in a place and, and somebody's house is blown all to pieces and, and they need someone to help them to get the, the drywall out and to get the mud out of their house or somebody's got a tree on top of their house and I can show up with a team of people and say, can we help you? And somebody says, man, I need you. Where have you been? Man, that's a great feeling. And I'll just throw this out there. There's another trip coming up next week. So after church next Sunday, there's a group of six or seven of us. It's guys right now. Ladies are more than welcome to go. But we're going to Cleveland, Tennessee. There's a house that was blown apart uh, over a year ago. And right now, over at God's Pit Crew, they've already built the house. The, the frame of the house is built inside of their warehouse. That framework will be taken down wall by wall. Some of you who are here now have even been over there and written Bible verses on the, on the studs of those walls. That'll be taken down, put on a flatbed trailer, shipped to Cleveland, Tennessee, myself, and six or seven of us are going uh, next Sunday. We'll be back the following Saturday. So we'll be back in church next Sunday. Not next Sunday, leaving next Sunday, the following week. And if you want to go on that, it's not too late. Just let me know after the service. We'll get you there. It doesn't cost you anything. But you say, why are you doing all this, Jeff? Why are you going everywhere? Because I want you to see that there's more to following Jesus than going to church every Sunday. Come on, somebody, right? Man, when you get out there and come on, give God, yeah, praise God for that. I don't want to be in church sitting around talking about Jesus all the time. I want us to be out there helping people and making things better and sharing the gospel and seeing lives change. But not only do I want to do that, God's put something in me that wants to help lead you to it. And I get it that not everyone can take days off and be gone for a week or days or whatever. That's why you're seeing things right now in this church that says we're going to be a church, just like Jackie said, who if you may not be going to Tennessee or Louisiana, but, but you may be going and, and ministering to these ladies, these ladies in the black shirts up here. We love our Hope Center ladies, and they need some people in our church to come and lead Bible studies, mentor them, tell them, hey, I care about you. I love you. Who's going to do that? We can do that right here, right? We can take COVID care bags to people who are struggling and sick, and we can help people. We can take uh, hero boxes to the medical community. What I'm saying to you is you can do the things that God's built into you. You can show up here on Wednesday nights with our student ministry and pour into their lives. Sunday mornings, kids, all kinds of ways for you to be needed and to be known. But you know what you're going to need to be able to do that? You're going to need to make a decision. I'm going to quit living my life on my own. And i got to have some people around me. I have to develop a tribe. And my tribe, as we're going to see today, is what God has intended for you. Now, I'm going to ask you this question this morning as we begin. I don't need you to raise your hands or anything like that. But I want you to think about your life. And when I ask you this question right now, I want you to really be honest with yourself. Do you have a tribe? You say, what do you mean a tribe, Jeff? you got friends. You know people. You have acquaintances. But do you have people that you know and they know you and they have the freedom to speak into your life? Let's look at this a minute. Here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Alone is no good. 
Alone is no good. Go back to uh, verse 7 here. We're in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 7. This is written by uh, King Solomon, who was King David's son. And King Solomon, because when God asked him, uh, I'll give you anything you want, what do you want? He said, well, I don't know how to govern these people. I need you to give me wisdom to govern your people. God said, you could have asked for money, you could have asked for fame, you could have asked for all these things. But because you asked for wisdom to help these people, I'm going to make you the wisest man to ever live. And so King Solomon wrote Proverbs, he wrote the Song of Songs, and he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes, which is the most depressing book in the whole Bible. Come on, somebody. <laughs> because it points out the reality of life. He's going to talk about things being meaningless. Why would God preserve those words for us? Because he wants us to see, man, that when we chase after feelings, when we chase after stuff, when we chase after experiences, it's all meaningless. But God has meaning for your life. Go to, go to verse 7 and 8 there. Again, he says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. Remember now, alone is no good. This man didn't have a son. He didn't have a brother. There's no end to his toil or his work. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Have you ever known someone that is so deep into their work that they're missing out on life all around them? Have you ever known anybody that, that, that they, they've gotten into a job or they've gotten into work and work just consumed them? And, and I, I, knew, I knew a guy years ago in a different season of life who, who owned a business, ran a business, and what began as chasing the American dream, right? I, I'm going I'm to get a better job. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start my own company. Well, if I do this, I think I'll make a bunch of money. If I make a bunch of money, I can buy a bunch of toys. If I buy a bunch of toys, we'll have a bunch of experiences. If I have a bunch of experiences, I have a lot of fun. What happens? Oh, I start my own business. Now customers are coming. Boy, those customers, am I right, huh? They always want something. So, so you start the business, and the business starts thriving, even more than you thought it was going to, and the money starts coming in. Man, I've known, I, I, I'm not going to call any names, but this is... This, this, this guy that I knew, he got everything he wanted. He had all the toys. He had the vacation home. But he had a business that he had to run, and he couldn't take a day off. And so the toys had dust on them, and the batteries were dead, and they never got taken care of. And you think, King Solomon's right. This is meaningless. Who am I working for? I'm working to keep the business going, but where's the life in that? Well... The chase for more stuff will never satisfy you. And when you look at your life right now, if your life is about your work, it's okay if your life is about your work, but, but is your work meaningful? Is your work uh, building God's kingdom? Is your work bringing you joy? Is your work connecting you with other people? Are you using what God's giving you? Am I making sense to anybody? We can work and work and work and work, and next thing you know, you're 75 years old and your grandkids don't even come around or know your name. God does not want that for us. We're designed to be needed and known. Here's the second thing. We need each other. We need each other. Verses 9 and 10. <coughs> he says two are better than one. See what he's doing there? We talked about being alone, so now he's building on that. Well, better than two. Two are better than one because they can have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. 
So one's bad, two's better. And if you don't at least have somebody else in your life, if you don't even have one friend in your life, what are you going to do when times get hard? Y'all, my mama is 80 years old. My little mama, she's about this big, bless her heart. I try to hug her. I have to get down here like this. My sweet little 80-year-old mama, uh, about two years ago, she's telling me one day we went down to visit. They live about three, three and a half hours away from us. And she said, did I tell you about when I fell the other day? No, mama, what happened? Cold part of the year. Mama's got this dog, y'all. Can I tell y'all about my mama's dog? That thing is, that thing's about 80 years old. Got tumors coming off of it from everywhere. That thing is blind. Eyeballs are all glazed over. Can't hear thunder. And mama moved the furniture around. The poor dog ran into every chair leg in the house. It ain't right, y'all. Mama took that, <laughs> mama took that dog outside because, what's that dog's name? Oreo. Oreo had to, had to, had to, had to tinkle. Come on now. And took, took the dog outside at nighttime. It's, it's time to take the dog out. Mama goes outside, takes the dog out there, and somehow my 80-year-old mama slips and falls. Now, it's cold out there, y'all. And she's telling me the story. She said, she said, I fell, and I couldn't get back up. Now, this was when my dad was alive, and Pop was in the house probably watching Gunsmoke or something, and, and <laughs> or Andy Griffith, or, or Hee Haw. I don't know which one it was, but... He's watching one of those and, and fell asleep, I'm sure. And I guess it was probably a couple hours later, Pop wakes up. Where is she? Brenda, give me something to drink. There's nobody here to get me something to drink. That's my Pop. Well, nobody brought him anything to drink anytime real quick, and so he started missing her. And at some point, he goes outside. Mama's out there with her nightgown on, freezing to death literally about to freeze to death. And, and so here he is. They're both about 80 years old at the time, and he's trying to get her up, and she's trying to get... She has been crawling around out there trying to pull herself up off of the cold ground. And if he had not been able to get there, she would have frozen to death that night. What's my point? That's what happens when you're alone. You can fall down when you're alone. Do you have someone who would pick you up? Do you have someone who would come looking for you if you went missing? Or are you so isolated? Have you been so hurt by so many people that you said, I'm not going to trust anyone and I'll just do this thing by myself? If you put yourself in that place, listen, I get it, man. People will jack you up sometimes. Some of you have been so hurt and mean things have been said to you and your heart's been broken. Can I tell you it's time to trust God to help you to trust again? Because we all need someone. We all need someone. You can, you can say, well, Jeff, I got a lot of people around me. I, I, I go to work every day. We laugh. I go, I go to Buffalo Wild Wings and we watch the game. I, I'm telling you, you can be in a crowd of people and be all alone. You can have people all around you and be the loneliest person in the world. And that's not the way God created it. Can I just tell you, man, how much your God loves you? And when he loves you, he, I don't have a child of mine. Praise the Lord, we got seven kids between us. Is that right? That's what it was the last time we counted. Seven, still that. Seven kids. I don't want any one of our children to have to go through this world on their own. Your God does not want you to have to go through your life on your own. Not only does he want that for you, but he's built things into you that there are people around you that need from you. But they're not going to get anything from you until you heal, 
until you become whole, until you begin allowing the right people in and drawing a fence around the wrong people. Come on. Sometimes you got to cut some people out to get the right tribe in your life. He does not want you to be alone because he loves you. And because he loves all of his children, he has designed you in a certain way. And he's shaping your experiences and the things that you've gone through that you don't want anyone to know about. He's going to use those things in you to help other people. God's waiting on you to get your stuff together to say, okay, God, I'm sick of being alone. Now let's do this thing your way. We need each other, man. We need each other. So let me ask you a question. Who do you have in your life that you've given permission to? You know what I'm talking about when I say given permission to? Like, can we, just us chickens here on Sunday morning, let's just talk. Um, who's calling you out on your crap? Like, do you have people around you who are all yes men? Oh, yeah, 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 go ahead, do that. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm getting ready to drive my car off of a cliff and, 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 and wreck my whole life. Great idea, do that. Would your friends just laugh along with you? I was talking to a young man the other day, 20-something years old, and um, I said, man, have you gotten to that point yet? He said, what are you talking about? I said, have you gotten to the point yet where you realize that the people that are around you all the time are just a bunch of leeches and suckers and catfish and mooches? Like they're just sucking the life out of you? He said, man, you ain't got to tell me nothing. He said, as long as I'm buying the beer, as long as I'm buying the weed, as long as I'm the one who's footing the bill, I got more friends than I know what to do with. As soon as I quit doing those things, they all disappear. Do you have people in your life... Do you have people in your life who love you enough that when you're making a terrible life decision... Come on now. Sometimes there are conversations. When you, when you really love somebody, when you really love your friend the way that Jesus loves us, and you see your friend going in a direction that's not the direction that God wants them to go, and you know you've got to have a conversation with them, and you know that conversation is going to be awkward, and you know that that conversation could potentially bankrupt your relationship. Do you have people in your life? Do you have people in your life who have the freedom to come to you that have the courage to speak into your life and say, you're headed off of a cliff? That's an important thing. Who are the friends in your life? Um, in a C group. You'll hear us talk about C groups here at Compassion Church an awful lot. In a C group, we call it a C group because it's where we find connection. It's, it's, where, it's where we find community, and we do it here at Compassion. So there's three C's for you. Um, we grant each other access. So I've got a group of guys that I meet with on, on Tuesday morning. Most of these guys are business owners or leaders of some respect. And we get together on Tuesday mornings. We never really know what we're going to talk about. But it's not just about Tuesday morning. The conversations that come out of that, as time goes along, leads to phone calls. Hey, man, I hadn't seen you last week. Where you been? You okay? Hey, man, you said you were struggling with this thing. Hey man, I know you uh, have got this thing going on. I don't know if it, I don't know what to tell you, but 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 I'm praying for you. Do you have those kinds of people in your life? If you're not connected in a group, can I just tell you you're doing life alone? 
And this is not about anything that we want from you. We want to encourage you to become the people that God wants you to be. Can I just be blunt with you, man? For us to be the church that God wants us to be, we're never going to grow. We're never going to grow in depth in discipleship world until we get together and study the Bible and say, what does God say? And encourage each other and pray for each other and challenge each other. We can get together and talk about everything under sun. Oh, how'd the Cowboys do last week? Oh, let's ride a bike together. Let's do this. Until we read the Bible and talk about what does the Bible say? What does God tell us to do with their life? And we study that thing together and we question it and we challenge it and we research it and then we step out and we do that. Until we do that, we're not going to be able to do all the big things that God's calling us to do. And to be able to do that, I need some people who are willing to step up and step out and say, I want to be in a, in a group. I need to be in a group. Until we're willing to do that, we're not going to get there. I need people who would be willing to say, man, God's brought me through some things. I want to lead one of those groups. And that's what God's brought us here for today. Because he has big things in front of us. But we can't do things with our own wisdom and knowledge. We have to be led by the Spirit of God. One more thing. We can do more together. Verses 11 and 12 says, Also if two lie down, again we saw one, now we're talking about two lying down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not broken. So one person can survive, but two people's better because you can take care of each other. And if two's better, then three's great because they can't get through three. Well, what's God doing? He's showing us that as we, as we build on this thing, as we put more people together, as we share our life, share our experience, share our talents, He can do infinitely more through us. And He wants to do that. There's a news story a few years ago. I'm sure you guys heard this. I don't know how long ago it's been. A few years ago about a hiker who went out on his own. And this guy was pretty competent, pretty confident also. But he, but he ran into disaster. And, and, and he became stranded with his arm pinned between two boulders. Listen to this news story. It says, with no water and as little hope of survival, Aspen Mountaineer Aaron Ralston, 27, used a pocket knife to amputate his own arm and free himself from a boulder weighing 1,000 pounds that fell and trapped him for five days in a remote desert canyon in eastern Utah. Now, now just think about what Solomon said. One person, on your own, you are vulnerable. This man, on his own, spent five days with a thousand pound boulder on his arm. Do y'all know how long a day is? Do you know how long one night is when you don't have any, any ability to sleep, any ability to stay warm? Five days pinned in a three foot wide slot canyon near the Mays District of Canyonlands National Park, south of Moab, Utah, Ralston cut through his own arm below the elbow Thursday morning applying a tourniquet and administering first aid before rigging anchors and fixing a rope to rappel to the bottom of Blue John Canyon. That's a bad man right there. Let me just tell y'all, that's a bad man. Cut his arm off, fixed a rope, rappelled down with one arm with a tourniquet cutter. Ralston had been hiking alone when the boulder fell and pinned his right arm as he was moving through the narrow slot last Saturday, according to information from the sheriff's offices. Ralston told rescuers that on Thursday morning, this happened on Saturday, this was Thursday, he realized he would not survive unless he took drastic action. He had run out of water on Tuesday. 
out of water on Tuesday, all day Wednesday, all night, all day Thursday. I'm not going to make it. Some of us here today are living our lives. If the only way that I'm going to survive is to cut off my own arm. Well, how did you get into the mess where you got to cut your own arm off to survive? It's because you're doing things alone. If this man had had someone to go with him, what could have happened? One thing that could have happened is somebody could have been a spotter for him and been looking out ahead to see things that may be coming. Another thing that could have happened is if he had had someone along with him, he could have had someone that saw his blind spots. Y'all know what blind spots are? There are things in your life that you can't see. This man didn't see the thing coming and it pinned him and it almost destroyed him. If someone had been there with him, they might not have been able to get him out, but they could have gotten him water. They could have encouraged him. What would your life look like? If you had one good friend, someone who loves you, someone who cares about you, what if you had someone in your life that would pray for you? It sounds so simple, doesn't it? Oh, well, some, they pray for me. I'm talking about somebody that will, will, will boldly approach the, th the throne of God on your behalf and say, God, my friend needs you. My friend needs your help. And they're not going to quit praying until a breakthrough takes place. What would your life look like if you had one person that would pray like that for you? What would your life look like if you had someone, one person even, who would encourage you on a daily basis? What would your life look like if you had someone who cared enough about you to challenge you when you're making terrible decisions? Anybody ever make any terrible decisions? Yeah, me too. How different could the last 10 years have been if somebody would have set you down and said, can we, can we, just, can we just talk before you do that? Can I, just give me five minutes. Just let, me, just let me say what I need to say. How different could the last 10 years have been for some of us? Here's what I'm saying to you, man. You need to be in a group. And I get all, look, I've been doing this for a long time, man. Before, before we even started this church, the church that I was at before, my, my job at that church was to get people into groups. And when we start talking about groups, I know what people are thinking. Well, I'm not going to somebody's house that I don't know. I'm not going to clean up my house every week for people to come over here. I don't know the Bible well enough to say it. Um, um, I, I'm, not, I'm not sitting down and being vulnerable and sharing my feelings with everyone else. Are you done yet? Are you done yet? Because you can come up with that list of excuses and you can stay where you are or you can take a risk, you can take a challenge and you can see the benefits of having someone in your life for you. And for some of you, it's not so much about having someone come alongside you because some of you have that in your life. And it's time for some of you now to be the person who goes to someone else and provides that for that other person. What I'm saying to you today is, I, feel, I have felt for a long time. Talk to our staff about how many conversations we've had about, about getting groups going. Man, we need to have classes here where people can, can learn about specific things. Like we've had Financial Peace University and we've had uh, a variety of marriage classes. We need that. We need people who can lead those things. But we also need people to just get in a group and share their life with each other. And it's so simple and it's so easy. Now, can I tell you all what's going to happen? If my guess is right, what typically happens with this is I say this, and there'll be a handful of ladies that'll say, yeah, I want to be in a group. And there'll be zero men that respond in any kind of way. Ladies, I appreciate y'all. 
and I want you to do that thing. I want you ladies to say, I want to be in a group if you're not in one. I want you to say, I want to lead one if you want to do that. But men, I need you. We need you. The men of this church have to be willing to step up and lead the way. And it's going to take some, it's going to take some sacrifice. Yes, it's going to take about 45 minutes to an hour of your time once a week to do this. What are you going to get out of it? I can't describe it to you. Talk to the guys that's in our group. They'll tell you, man, it's, it's the best hour that I spend every week other than Sunday morning doing this. Why? Because I've got my brothers that come together, and we talk about what's going on in our life, and we make those connections. Half of the guys that's in the group that I do on Tuesday morning don't even go to this church, but they're our brothers, and we love them. And you have that same thing available to you. So what's my challenge to you today? When you look at your life, do you have that. And if you don't, if you're not currently in a group, I'm challenging every person in this church to get in a group starting today. How do I do that? Well, there's a next steps card in front of you right there. And all you have to do is take that next steps card and, and fill out your information on the top of it. Let us know you want to be in a group. There's a next steps table out at the lobby. Drop it off out there. Drop it off out there. I want to read you this one last quote and you'll get where I'm going. It says, the way you get meaning into your life is to devote yourself to loving others, devote yourself to your community around you, and devote yourself to creating something that gives you purpose and meaning. The one thing that he missed in that, the most important thing, that's Mitch Albom from Tuesdays with Maury. A lot of you maybe have read that book. The one thing that he missed in that is devote yourself to the God who created you. And the God who created you has already wired you to, to do these things, to connect with others, to connect with your community, and to do something of purpose. You came to church today. You've made an investment in getting out of bed and coming looking for something of meaning. God is giving you the opportunity today to do something worthwhile that will matter in your life. What are you going to do with what God has given you? Can we pray? Lord, as we consider this word this morning, we know that you are good and you are for us, God. And you only want the very best for us. Lord, some of us, as we hear this this morning, some of us may hear this and say, I know that's what I need to do, but I'm just afraid because I've opened that door before and people have gossiped about me and people who thought they knew my background had certain things to say. Lord, right now, for the people who are hurt and broken and unwilling to put themselves out there, Lord, I just pray that you will just remind them how gentle and kind and loving you are. And Lord, for that person that's considering taking this move, but they're afraid because of things that have happened, God, let them know right now that you're working 10 steps ahead of them. And I pray that you'll direct their path and put them into the group with the people that they need to be with. Keep them away from the people that they don't need. And Lord, for us as a church, God, you've given us such a big vision, such a big challenge to reach this community, to reach this city, to reach this area, God, with the good news that God loves people that you came into this world and died on a cross to give us life. Lord, this is not about growing a church or growing groups, but it's about people connecting into the plan that you've built into our lives. And so right now, Lord, we just think about the cross. 
Think about Jesus. And Lord, as we worship you this morning, we, we think about the great sacrifice that you made for us. We also realize, Lord, that whether it's online or in the room, there's some in this place right now who may not know you. Maybe far from you. Maybe there's some folks who came here today with broken hearts, carrying a lot of pain and suffering along with them, carrying a lot of guilt over things that have been done in the past, carrying a, a, a weight of being overwhelmed by thinking, I've got to fix all the things that I've done. If that's you right now, I just want to tell you that, that Jesus wants to speak to your heart and say to you that, that you not only don't have to try to fix the things that have been done, you can't. But Jesus has already paid the price. And He wants you to know this morning that at the cross of Calvary, He paid the price to purchase your salvation, to purchase your freedom. So if that's you this morning and, and you're desperately searching for hope, and you're desperately searching for a relationship with the God who created you, like if you could do anything to get your feet off of the pathway that's been leading you towards destruction and to put your feet on the pathway that leads you to everything that God has created you for, and you want that this morning, God wants to say to you, that's why I brought you here, my child. I want to give you that. And I want you to know that if you'll place your trust, all of your trust, in Jesus and let Him lead you, your new life is here for you today. If that's you and you're hearing that right now, and you would say, Jeff, I desperately want that. I want to die to my old life. I don't care what it's going to cost me. Jeff, I want Jesus. I want this new life. I want the life that God planned for me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? Hallelujah. Praise God. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 12 hands. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do right now. I'm going to ask everybody in the room, stand to your feet. Everybody in the room, stand up. There's a lot of people in this room right now who want to say yes to Jesus. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you just raised your hand just a moment ago, will you raise your hand back up again? Raise it up high. Let me see it. 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 Now, every person in the room with your hand up, I'm going to ask you to step out of that seat and walk right up here. Meet me right up here at the front. Come right up here where I am. Don't hesitate. Don't think about it. Don't talk yourself out of it. Come on. Come on up. You got your hand raised. Come on up. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. This is important. This is important. This is important. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Come on. Come on up. You got your hand raised. Come on up. While they're walking up, I want everybody in this room to look at the person beside of you and ask them, do you, do you know Jesus? Do you want me to walk up there with you? Ask the person, do you want me to walk up there with you? Ask them. Anybody else? Come on. Anybody else? This is your opportunity. There's some people giving their life to Jesus this morning. There's some people that are saying that I need Jesus and I'm lost and I want to be saved today. Anybody else? Now here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask every person in the room. We don't normally do this, but I'm going to, I'm going to say a prayer and I don't want these guys to have to say this alone. So we're going to say this together. Can we say this out loud together today? Repeat after me. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I give you my life. I lay my sins at your feet. I confess that I'm a sinner. And I need you. Jesus, save me today. Make me new. 
give me a new life. Give me everything you planned for me. And I will follow you. Thank you for today, Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen.